Hi, my name's Shami O'Hara, and you're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards, and Rob is back with us this week from his skiing trip. Hi, lads. Good to be back. And also alongside me is Dickie. Well, he's uh, he's not alongside me, but he's on the other end of the line. Hello, Dickie. Hi there, Luke. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Um, good. I see you've been out shopping and got all your supplies of toilet roll. Uh, yes, I've had to go out and beat, beat the rush. No, actually, it was pretty good. Um, I'm heartened by the response from people in our area that nobody seems to have gone them particularly crazy on that one. But um, I don't know. If you think about the use of throw toilet roll at football matches, and that being, you know, a prized commodity in this day and age, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And also joining us this week is a special guest. It is Mark Stillman from the Bath City Internet Radio Station. Hello, Mark. Hello, good afternoon. Yeah, looking, at, we're going to look at the National League first. And at the top, there was a big shock, wasn't there? It was Barrow who succumbed in the end. A home, a shock home defeat to a resurgent Notts County. It was nil-nil, and then Scott Quigley was sent off. But then uh, two goals for Notts County. The first one from Tom Crawford, followed up by another goal by January signing. Callum Roberts gave Notts County all three points. Yeah, it's a, it's a big statement of attempt that one from from Notts County. I mean, obviously it's a it's a blow to Barrow, their lead at the top, um, cut to four points ultimately by the fact that Harrogate um, only managed to draw later on in the evening with Bromley, a one-all draw that game. And um, yeah, as far as Notts County are concerned, I mean, I don't think they're I think they're sufficiently far behind that they they then they're out of the title challenge. Um, but as as regards laying a marker down for when the playoffs come around, I think Notts County have, uh, have have put a big statement out there. Yeah, to go up to Barrow and they're making a, a big push out, and especially with them being in the semi-finals at FA Trophy now, where they will face Harrogate, it's it's a strong end to the season for them. Yes, it is. They they seem to be picking up momentum just at the right time, and I think that's you look at the history of playoffs. Um, you know, there's always seems to be a side that goes into them off the back of, you know, having just been really picking up form late in the season. And, and it potentially looks, if you look at who else is in that top seven currently, um, then Notts County certainly look as if they're the side that have got the momentum. I don't think anybody would fancy them, you know, with, a, with the strong support that they've had as well. Obviously, they'll be trying to, they're in sixth place at the moment, they'll be trying to nudge even higher than that one so that they get themselves home advantage if it, if it comes to, you know, a playoff contest. But, um, yeah, I, at the moment, I would imagine with the, the, the form they're in that they, they wouldn't mind playing anybody either home or away. And, you know, to go away and beat the league leaders yesterday just shows they're not, they're not frightened of anybody. Yeah, it was uh, a, a great win, a real morale-boosting win for Notts County. Um, it could have gone very differently. Barrow well on top, I think, uh in the first half, and obviously the Rooney penalty hitting the post, and he hit the woodwork again, as is often the case at this or any other level of football. Sometimes when you don't take your chances, you're punished later on. That's what happened in the second half. Uh, good to see Crawford uh, with a goal. I think that's his first goal for Notts County. Um, and obviously Callum Roberts, as you and Dickie mentioned already, um, and to, to rub salt in the wound, of course, Quigley getting sent off only one TV angle of it and uh, difficult to tell with that. I think he was never going to get the ball. His foot come through and caught the goalkeeper quite awkwardly on his knee. 
was the red card harsh possibly but they'll be missing him in the next few games and they'll have to find a way of adapting Barrow um, could have been a lot worse for them though because uh, Harrogate who had all the attention on them with the live TV game against Neil Smith's Bromley couldn't quite get the job done and uh, basically because of a pretty awful own goal in the second half um, and it's got to be one of your worst nightmares hasn't it boys yeah you know, your team's 1-0 up about to cut the lead in the National League at the top to two points and you slice one in with no Bromley player in sight um, and uh, a moment he'll want to forget. Alex Bradley on loan from Lincoln, yeah, and um, what a missed opportunity that is for Harrogate. Well, it is, but as Simon Weaver correctly pointed out afterwards, when they woke up Saturday morning, they were five points off the lead, and uh, when they went to bed Saturday night, they were four off it. So, overall, take the emotion out of it. It's another point nearer. Um, And I think from Harrogate's point of view, they'll be thinking, if they can just get within three points of Barrow, uh, maybe two, then uh, it's all to play for in uh, in that game where Barrow still have to go to Harrogate. And uh, I understand that one's now going to be live on TV as well. No surprise there. Yeah, that'll probably be the, the title decider, won't it, when they play each other there. A team who were relegated from the Football League last year, who look as though they're on a strong end to the season after a recent sort of sticky period for them, uh, Yeovil. They won 1-0 at Dover thanks to the Evergreen, Mark Richards and... The ex-league clubs, Dickie, are, are doing well, and one of them may well get back up at the first attempt. Yeah, and that's quite a rarity for um, if that was to happen. I think teams that have been relegated from the Football League um, into the National League have historically found it quite difficult to, to bounce straight back. Um, if you think of the likes of Wrexham, are still there, Stockport County dropped out and even dropped down even further as far as National League North, the same as York City. Um, whether that's got anything to do with parachute payments from the EFL, I know both Yeovil and Notts County would have had, I think they get 100% of the money this season that they would have had had they been an EFL club this season as well to help cushion that blow. Um, so whether that you know boost to their budget is is enabled or, or, or been a, a help to them in being able to bounce back. Of course, it doesn't do any harm that, you know, Notts County are still a very well-supported club for the level that they're at and, and Yeovil as well. But um, no doubt that extra EFL money um, going into the budget has been a help to them. Yeah, back-to-back wins now for Yeovil after not winning in their previous eight games before that. Yeah, just a really good, solid 1-0 away win for Yeovil at Dover, which uh, is never the easiest of places to go to. And the same thing, really, job done for uh, Borumwood and Kabongo Shimanga on target once again, a 1-0 win for them away at Maidenhead. And then, really, in the battle of the two uh, sides that have uh, defied all expectations this season, they've had mixed form, both of them, but... With 10 games to go, Halifax, FC Halifax Town and Woking are very much in the playoff picture. And it was Woking that came out on top. Uh, Kretschmar penalty and Jake Hyde's 15th goal of the season. Um, and that would have been a real fillip for Alan Dowson and his men from Surrey. Yeah, I mean, whatever happens, they've both had uh, incredible seasons, haven't they? Pete Wilde and Alan Dowson have got to be given a lot of credit, haven't they? Hugely so. Um, you know, in our... Pre-season predictions, both those sides came up um, as uh, 
possibles for the relegation zone. Um, and, uh, you know, their early season form probably took a lot of pressure off both of them. Um, they amassed enough points that uh, they could cruise to safety and, and give themselves a tilt at the playoffs. Both of them have still got that chance. Woken are only outside the playoffs on goal difference. And FC Halifax Town, having actually risen to third in midweek, uh, are still well in there, dropping to uh, fifth place um, with a three-point cushion inside those playoffs. But for Bromley, it's a, I mean, they've slipped out of contention in recent weeks, haven't they? So that's a morale-boosting result for them, really, because it, they've had a horrendous run, haven't they? They have had a poor run. They still haven't won in the last five games, but it brings an end, brings to an end a run of three straight defeats. They've not really got any sort of form at the moment, Bromley. But they could, uh, as I think Luke Coulson pointed out, uh, he was given man of the match in that live TV game on Saturday. And I think, as, as he pointed out, he was part of the Ebbsfleet team that went on a, a good run that took them uh, with quite a bit of form into the playoffs. Um, Bromley have to get that run going. If they do, they're not too far off. They're three points off of the playoffs at the minute. But there's a bit of traffic that, about, in between them and the playoffs as well. Some of the teams we'll come on to talk about very shortly, I'm sure. File and Solihull drew nil-nil, and Jimmy Shand brought in his assistant this week, Richard Beale, someone that you know quite well, Dickie. Yeah, Richard Beale was a—he's a former AFC Telford player from from in the days of um, the AFC Telford reforming in about 2005 onwards. Um, I know he was at Birmingham City. I think he was the um, uh, um, manager on the, on the youth side there, and he had a very strong connection with Telford. I think we would, um, uh, you know, we're able to get in touch with him about you know borrowing players from time to time. And certainly, we've had some pre-season games against. Um, his under-23 side from Birmingham. So it's um, an intriguing appointment, I think, with Jimmy Shan's background at West Brom and a similar kind of um, level. Um, it'll be interesting to see the direction that they go in. Obviously, we know what sort of side Solihull were under, under Tim Flowers. They were pretty big, pretty physical, pretty direct. You can expect to see a change to sort of, dare I say, a slightly more pure footballing philosophy under um, Jimmy Shan and Richard Beale. But of course, how well or how well that serves them in a very, very competitive National League um, will remain to be seen. They're in seventh place at the moment, so they're in those playoff places. Um, but, you know, their form's been indifferent this season. Um, they're certainly not going into the playoffs if they do get there on uh, in the way they, they did last year, where I think they finished second in the league and were, um, you know, they were actually pushing Leighton Orient for the title right until the last couple of weeks of the season. They haven't quite got the same momentum this year. So maybe it's a case of what Solihull Moors are going to do next year. I'm sure they won't be thinking that. I'm sure if they think if they get to the playoffs, they'll be wanting to give their all um, to, to try and make it up this time around. Yeah, point was neither here nor there for, for either side, really. To say they managed to keep Solihull in that last playoff place, that nil-nil draw, filed still firmly ensconced in the relegation spot, and they're ten points off catching Chesterfield. They are out of the relegation zone. Who we'll hear about later on, but filed do have two games in hand. It's a question of, um, I suppose, it's that old games in hand question again. You know, would you rather be in the possession, in the position that Chesterfield are with um, the points on the board, or would you, you know, rather have the games in hand that Fylde have? You know, you've, you've got to make those count when you play them. We've said week after week that nobody expected Fylde to be in this position, and and that 
you know, far themselves can't have expected to be in this position, but they are, and it's how they respond to it that matters now. We talk about them every week, and uh, I think it shows how far they've sunk. The word. I don't really want to use that word, but how far their expectations have dropped that uh, Jim Bentley ended up in his post-match interview talking about the positives of keeping a clean sheet in a nil-nil draw uh, when anybody can see that if they're going to reach or even give themselves a chance of safety, file they're going to need to start winning football matches. Yeah, Neil Byrne also came out and supported the manager and said that all the players are behind him. So they have got three games in hand on, on Ebsfleet and two on the, the rest of them uh, up to Wrexham. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, and I'll take a closer look at Fylde next weekend when uh, Aldershot Town travel up there. They've got a wretched record up there. They've only been there twice. They've lost 7-0 and 3-1. But uh, probably for the first time, really, Aldershot will travel up there um, as the side in the higher league position. And uh, it'll be uh, a testing game for both sides, I'm sure. Stockport, again, uh, another draw for them. They're in joint seventh at the minute. They're um, just behind Woking on, on goal difference. A 1-1 draw against Barnet. And Darren Curry was he was quite satisfied in the end with that point. Felt uh, a bit disappointed that they didn't win it in the end, judging by his comments there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, of all those, the kind of chasing pack for the playoffs, none of them really got the results they would have wanted uh, on Saturday. Stockport and Barnet uh, drawing, Dover losing. Hartlepool also losing 1-0. A surprise there, Luke. Um, yeah, result of the day, got... that I think, isn't it, Rob? Ebsleet going up to Hartlepool and winning? Yeah, I think so, um, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, they've, they've, they've got some, some results together recently, Ebsfleet. They're actually on a run of win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And if they keep that going, they've got a great chance of being safe. Um, that that They will have picked out games that they've got a, a decent chance of winning. Uh, that one will have been a little bit of a no expectation, a bit of a free hit. But uh, Hartlepool have been in decent form of late, won three of the last four. Slipping up there and uh, couldn't score on the day at Victoria Park, which is quite unusual uh, for them. Um, and whilst I'm sure we're not going to make a big thing of it, very, very sad to hear that there was accusations once again uh, up at Victoria Park of, uh, of racism involving on this occasion uh, Jermaine McGlashan. Uh, and an inquiry, I understand, is going to take place following those accusations. Yeah, hopefully it's not... Um... Not proven to be true, but in terms of just back to the football again, like you say, absolutely winning one, losing one. But sometimes that's better than getting a win and a draw, isn't it? In you, if you're in the situation Ebsfleet are in, draws are not probably going to be good enough, are they? Now, um, a similar predicament faced by Chorley, and sadly they have fallen away now, um, and uh, you know don't really have any any realistic chance of staying up, being 17 points off of safety or. 15 if three go down. A cracking win for Ebsley. I agree with you, Luke. Uh, result of the day. Um, probably the only team in that kind of mid-table pack that might still have some very, very faint ambitions of playoffs. Sutton United. Um, they played at home to Torquay United. Leapfrogged them uh, and have gone within six points of the playoffs, having played 37 games, though. But uh, a cracking 2-0 win and... Uh, you know, you have to say, if you if you stop the season now, Matt Gray taking over from uh, 
Paul Doswell having to put his own stamp on it. Probably not quite the same budget levels. A pretty solid first season from, from Matt Gray as a manager in National League level. Oh, absolutely. He's done a brilliant job considering where they were um, a few weeks ago around Christmas. They were looking sort of the other way, weren't they? But uh, yeah, great job done by him there. And we, we talked about Ebsley. I mean, they're only, they're only two points behind Maidenhead, who's dropped into the relegation zone. I mean, that's been on the cards for the last few weeks, haven't they? They've been in terrible form. Chesterfield had a favourable fixture away at Charlie, which they won Tom Denton amongst the goals there. And now Chesterfield are out of the relegation zone. And do you think that's how it'll finish now? Do you think Maidenhead will stay there? Or do you think there'll be one last twist somewhere? Well, if you look at form and momentum, um, as it stands, Chesterfield not just gone above Maidenhead, but should pull away. They've won three of the last four. Maidenhead have last, lost the last four on the trot. I think John Pemberton's got Chesterfield moving in the right direction now. I mean, they're certainly not safe yet, Luke, but uh, with a little bit of uh, luck, they're, they're on their way. It would take a fool to predict anything other than the bottom four now, finishing as the bottom four, but there will be twists and turns. And uh, two of the sides who got themselves a little bit of breathing space of late met yesterday at uh, at the EBB. And, and, and uh, well, I was going to say, sadly, I wasn't there, but I, I think I might have... Um, uh, I, I'm, what's the saying? Um, You've been a good luck charm, haven't you? You were saying, oh, um, well, they've done well this year, but you, you're saying whenever you're not there, they don't win. <laughs> yeah, um, by all accounts, I listened to the second half commentary when I landed uh, from, from my trip away. And by all accounts, Aldershot against Dagenham was a, a, a pretty dire game, certainly the first half. Um, Aldershot up the ante a little bit at the start of the second half, created a few chances, didn't take them. And uh, were made to pay late on. Mitch Brundle, who, funnily enough, I remember scoring for Dover last season against uh, Aldershot. This time he scores uh, for Dagenham. And a, a vital win, really, for, for Darren McMahon's men. Just gives them a tiny little bit of breathing space and actually closes them to within two points of Aldershot. Uh, shots 17th, Daggers 18th, and Dagenham have a game in hand. And sandwiched in between them and uh, Chesterfield is Wrexham. Uh, who, who might have been a little bit frustrated just to uh, be held to a nil-nil on Saturday. Yeah, nil-nil with Eastley, and I know um, Ben Strevens was was really happy with that. Wrexham, we had good news this week that the, that cop end behind the goal was is going to be redeveloped. I mean, it's an imposing terrace that it's been it's been shut for safety reasons. If you can get that open again, it will become a real fortress. Um, there at the um, the racecourse ground, but they'll want to be in the National League for when that happens, won't they? They certainly will, and uh, I think uh, they that they will be fine. I mean, their form's a little mixed, um, and uh, they're on the same points as Chesterfield. Certainly not um, unthinkable that one of those two could still drop into uh, the bottom four again. So we're going to look at the National League North next. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League North, probably the surprising result of the week came on Tuesday night when York lost 4-1 at home to Hereford, who, it's fair to say, haven't pulled up any trees this season. But they did respond with a, a good 3-1 win at Alfreton. Two Sean Newton free kicks and an Alex Kempster goal either side. Meant York took a 3-0 lead before a, a consolation from Danny Clark. Rendered it a bit useless, but York back on track. Yes, you would think so. And I, I suppose 
you had to expect a reaction after that game on Tuesday night. It, uh, it sounded as if everything went wrong for York on Tuesday night against Hereford. Two goals from Linnell John Lewis. He obviously he knows well not National League North level exactly, but he was a scorer at, for Grimsby Town when they were a National League side. Um, he got a couple on Tuesday night. Um, and at some unpleasant scenes after the game, I gather, at York City, where there were some um, spectators let their emotions get the better of them, a bit of a confrontation in the car park with some of the York players that actually required manager Steve Watson to issue a statement through the press on Thursday, just essentially asking for everybody to calm down and, and keep focused and, and that they didn't need that kind of thing. And, of course, nobody does. But, yeah, you would have expected a reaction yesterday, and it's, that's exactly what they got. Alfred and Town have, have tumbled out of... Um, the, uh, contention after being in the playoff places earlier in the season and, and pretty much a, a routine win for York by the sounds of things Yeah and, Ga- and Kingsland continue on their tail and they went to Gateshead who were in real good form at the minute but another cracking win for Kingsland and the man on loan from Norwich, Simon Power two goals for him and Kingsland back on track after not winning in, in a couple of games and, and a really good win that at Gateshead who as I said have been in good form yeah, I mean, before kickoffs, this certainly looked like a banana skin for Kings Lynn. Uh, Gateshead on an 11 game unbeaten run. Uh, you know, they've been stacking up great results. And I've spoken again about them being a full time team at this stage of the season, you know, whether that's going to um, benefit them. But Kings Lynn, the terrific result, the, the kind of result that they've been achieving all season. As you say, Simon Power, he's on loan from Norwich City. Put them ahead in the first half. JJ O'Donnell equalised for Gateshead early in the second half, but Power got the win at 10 minutes from the end. Gateshead's day not helped particularly by the fact that goalkeeper Brad James got injured in the warm-up. They had to put Sam Guthrie in for his debut in a big game. I don't think from the sound of it that he was you know, particularly culpable for any of the, uh, the the goals that were scored. But yeah, it's a terrific result for Kingsley in that one. They're, they're going to start playing those games in hand soon. I know we keep saying that. They played midweek last week. Um, only got a point at Lamington um, from a nil-nil draw. But of course, with, with York stumbling, that just enabled them to get that little bit closer. But yeah, Kingsland are going to start ticking those games in handoff. So we're watching those midweek fixtures with, with a lot of interest. Yeah, it goes back again to points and games in hand, doesn't it? York have the points on the board, albeit only two points ahead of Kingsland. But Kingsland have four games in hand on York. So it's one of those normally say you'd like to be in the position of having more points. But I think you'd be rather be in even in Culverhouse's position because you'd expect him to win at least one of those games in hand. Yeah, I think with it being four games in hand, I mean, uh, I think we. Were, I was talking about this yesterday and I think my, my gut says that Kingsland... Ultimately, I think I don't think they'll 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 stroll to this. I feel that there'll be some ups and downs along the way. But my feeling is that they will take enough points from those games in hand to to put them ahead of York again. You know, you, they've got to get go out there and do it now. And 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 they've had a lot of inactivity lately as well. I know their defeat at Chester when they lost three two a couple of weeks ago was their first game for a number of weeks because of postponements and, and that stop start nature of things doesn't help particularly. So, you know, the the fact that they've gone and and got a, a great result at Gateshead yesterday speaks a lot for the character that they've got there. Yeah, Boston remain in third position. They got a one one draw at Curzon, a result that Craig Elliott said was fair in the end. He felt Boston were good in the first half, but he said Kurt, he gave Curzon a lot of credit in the second half for coming back and 
again, they're just pulling away from that relegation fight. But Boston still strong. And again, they're another team. We've got two games in hand on York. Yes, they are. I mean, I saw Boston myself a couple of weeks ago and they are, they are a strong unit. Um, two goals from the penalty spot in their game yesterday. Jordan Thewlis on 20 minutes put them ahead, but then, um, Andy Hall's getting a deserved point from the same things for Curtis Nashton in the 84th minute. I think he's bagged a number of important goals this season for them from fullback. Um, and yeah, Boston can't rule them out of this contest at all. You know, they'll be looking to capitalise on any slip from either of the two teams above them. Yeah, and the two teams below them will be looking to sniff blood as well. Brackley and Altrincham. Brackley, really good 5-2 win against Dubai. That's a come from behind as well. They were 1-0 down at half-time before scoring five second-half goals. And Altrincham beat Spennymore. Spennymore beat them about three weeks ago, but they reaped revenge this week, Altrincham winning by four goals to one. So two big wins there for two informed playoff chasers. Yes, certainly. Um, Brackley's, it's goal difference that keeps, has Brackley in fourth place. I think their goal difference is something like 32 plus to Altrincham's 22 plus. I think Brackley conceded the least goals in the league, only 23. Um, but they were a goal down yesterday to Blythe. Um, Blythe, of course, party company with manager Lee Clark in the week and his assistant Paul Stevenson. Michael Nelson, who was previously assistant to Mike Williamson at Gateshead, but had left Gateshead to go to Stevenage to take a, a post under Graham Westley. Graham Westley was subsequently dismissed from his role at Stevenage, so Michael Nelson found himself on the outside of things there. Has come back to the northeast. He's in caretaker charge at Blythe, and things were looking good for him yesterday at one look at half time. Um, a goal from Leighton McIntosh, but then, yeah, Brackley, exceptionally strong at home. I think they've only got one home defeat in something like the last 14, 15 months. Um, and a player that I, well, I won't say no well, but certainly made the acquaintance of this week. Lee and Love got them level uh, at one each. Matt Lowe then put them 2-1 ahead. Adam Wrightson levelled for Bly Spartans to make it 2-2. But then, yeah, Brackley just really took it away from them in the last 20 minutes. Lowe and Love each added their second goal of the game. And Shane Byrne added a fifth. And, uh, yeah, it's job done for Kevin Wilkins' team. You mentioned about Michael Michael Nelson. I mean, we're talking about managerial merry-go-round. That is a proper merry-go-round. He's gone full circle almost, hasn't he? Well, yeah. I mean, all the way down to Gateshead, all the way from Gateshead down to Stevenage to go all the way back to Blythe. Um, and, you know, he finds himself in charge at Blythe at the moment. I, I think it's only an interim arrangement, but obviously um, if he does well over the remainder of the season, whether they'll be looking to um, make that a permanent appointment over the summer and whether he'd be interested in that, I don't know. I mean, uh, Blythe, they've got a lot of work to do if they're going to get at those relegation places, but clearly if he could inspire some kind of revival that does get him out of them, the bottom two, you would think that would make a very strong claim for the job. But, you know, even if he can't do that, if, if they perform well over the remainder of the season and if the, the people at Blythe like what they see and he likes the sound of what they can, um, how they can regroup next season, should they go down, then, then maybe that's where he'll be uh, for the foreseeable future. And how was leg day with Lee Unlove? Well, we didn't actually get to do leg day with Lee. He was in the gym. Um, a very long, um, slightly convoluted story last week. But yeah, as, as luck would have it, found herself staying down in the Leicester area looking for a gym to use. Um, and it turns out that he's a personal trainer at the gym that I was able to go to. Um, so yeah, he was very friendly, came over, 
um, and said hello. They got a game with Boston that evening, which of course ended nil-nil. Yeah, and nice to speak to him. And I think those two goals yesterday took him up to to twentieth in the league. So yeah, it's uh, he's got plenty of power and plenty of goals in those legs, certainly. And Dicky got up with Liam Love in the sauna after. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had to make a quick getaway. I didn't even offer that, unfortunately. That would have been good. That would have been a, a great place to interview him, in the sauna. <laughs> oh, I've, inter- I've interviewed Telford's captain when he was in the bath, but I hasten to add he was on the bath. He was in the bath and I was on the other end of the phone. I wasn't in there with him. Because you were at the other end of the bath, I thought you were going to say. No, no, I got the plug end. Well, he is the captain, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, let him off. Um, <laughs> team who've, who've dropped dramatically down to sixth are Chester and they were probably on the end of the result of the day as Bradford Park Avenue picked up a rare win and Chester's away woes continue. Yeah, I think this was, I mean, at the top of the table, certainly Kings Lynn's result against Gateshead was a, was a big result, but really result of the day, scoreline of the day was, was Bradford Park Avenue 2, Chester 1. Um, and, you know, it's it's that age old, well, not age old, but it's that inconsistency that we, we see from Chester that's um, potentially, you know, I'm not sure. I think a few weeks ago they would certainly after that win against Kings Lynn, um, they were still eyeing their chances of maybe not catching anybody for the title, but certainly being in the top two or three and getting that home advantage. Now they're down to six and they've got two teams breathing down their necks and that playoff race is so close. And so they can't really afford results like this one. Bradford Park Avenue, 15 points from safety before the start of the game. So they've cut that to 13 with this win. Their first win since early December when they beat Altrincham 2-0, which says that you know there is perhaps something about the, the bigger teams maybe are not treating Bradford Park Avenue uh, seriously when they go there and they've, they've paid a price. Tom Clare opened the scoring for Bradford in the first half with the, the ball going in after he'd struck the post. Matty Waters equalised direct from a corner for Chester, but Ollie Johnson, a player ball back to the club by Mark Bauer in the autumn, scored the winner on 66 minutes. And yeah, it, it provoked a lot of um, uh, outpourings of uh, emotion from Chester fans. Joint manager Bernard Morley was the man who spoke to the press afterwards and said that he and Anthony Johnson took responsibility for the defeat, you know, in terms of the team selection. And, and I think there was some um, people alluded to the fitness of the players and said, well, look, if there's anything to do with that, that's down to us. We're the management duo. Um, taking the pressure off the players and taking the pressure onto themselves, you know, arguably that's what a good management team do. You know, they're, they're, they probably use the phrase that they're big, big enough and ugly enough to be able to take that and, and try and, you know, take the pressure away from their own team. Darlington are a team you saw on Saturday, Dickie, and they had a good win against your beloved Telford. They're just outside the playoff places, and uh, we'll get on to Telford in a minute. We'll have a quick word on them, but uh, Darlington, they're just outside the playoffs. Do you think they can make it in there? I think they could possibly make it in there. I think they're only four points behind. Certainly Gateshead and Spennymore, two more northeastern teams are the teams just above them um, in seventh and in eighth. I think Darlington are in ninth. Um, they certainly were, were really good value for their way. Will Hatfield gave them the lead on 13 minutes. Telford equalised before half-time. Marcus Denanga's sixth goal in his last six starts. He's been a, a real bright spot for Telford over the last few weeks. But it wasn't enough. Adam Campbell levelled, or he actually put Darlington ahead just before the hour mark. And, and certainly it was not just a result, but a performance that really pleased Quakers boss Alan Armstrong when I caught up with him afterwards. And I'm with Darlington manager Alan Armstrong after the two when I went to Telford this afternoon. Um, 
Alan, pretty happy with that result, I imagine. Delighted with the result and more delighted with the performance, to be honest with you. I think if we put four or five in, maybe it's even more than that, I don't think anyone could have complained. I think it was a totally dominant performance on an unbelievably difficult pitch. I think, as you can see, it was probably the worst pitch we've played on this season. Probably the worst pitch I've seen, to be honest with you. And it's nothing to do with Telford, obviously, it's a stuff that's broke, but the performance today from the large was outstanding from 1 to 15, 16, a different class. Keeps you in touch with those playoff places as well. You're still um, hunting one of those down? Yeah, as I say, like, we've always said the mantra has been this season, we're just re- rebuilding this squad. It's all a brand new squad and we're trying to build for next season. But then you find yourself within touch and distance and you just think, why not have a good go at it? And it's, we're still there. You know, it's going to be difficult to get in, but I've set the lads a task and they're going beaten till the end of the season. And they've won beaten in the last four now, so it's a, it's a good little start. I managed it last season, and if I can get these lads at it like they were today, if I can continue that every week, I'm sure they'll have no problem with that. I was say, that was something that you did last season with Blythe, and you, you got on that roll really late in the season and, and, and finished strong. No, it's not at all. If I look at the start of the season, if you look at this squad now, compared to what I had at the start of the season, it's chalk and cheese. There's been a lot of new additions to it. I had a lot of youngins at the start of the season that I had to use until we got the cup and then I could eventually bring more players in. And everyone's fighting for the places now and I'm really happy with what I've got. Yes, you can always strengthen it, but at the minute the lads are fighting for the place and that's you can see that on the pitch. And like you see, when Blythe last year, we got in this mindset where we just went in the game knew we weren't going to lose we just knew we weren't going to lose a game and what we've done last year we won seven on the bounce I think uh, was an unbelievable effort to be honest with you and so there's no reason why this squad can't do that I'm not expecting to win every game but it's a good start sure and there seems to be good spirit amongst them as well they, they enjoyed that win today clearly now we needed it they're a great group as I say they're a great group to work when we come we looked at the pitch and like, I'm like this is unplayable when you look at it and even the lads are in the could have just went oh that's blamed the pitch and had a poor performance but like I said the performance today on a really bad pitch was probably the best 90 minutes overall of the season and that was Alan Armstrong and I'm sure he feel justified that he left Blythe in the summer but I did see somebody pose you a question on Twitter Dickie saying was Will Hatfield's performance the best performance that you've seen from an opposition player at the books head this season Will Hatfield was excellent yesterday, certainly. I mean, the the goal he scored, I mean, I said we've had enough, we've had notice served of Will Hatfield's ability to score goals from long range. And he he did another, he he did that again yesterday. Um, Telford have Russ Griffiths in goal, just signed on loan from Chester, but he wasn't able to do anything about his 20-yard shot. He pinged another one just over the bar. I think at one point in commentary, I described him as the non-league North Zidane because of his shaven head as well. I'm sure he'd he'd probably enjoy that comparison. But yeah, he and Joe Wheatley pretty much ran the show um, for Darlington yesterday, and, and, and Telford couldn't really get near them. Yeah, and it was a, I saw your interview with Gavin Cowan afterwards as well, and it seemed like... <laughs> it's almost like a full-on conversation. You're probably sick of asking him the same things, and he did admit to you that Telford was second best on the day, and he said he said it a few times now this year. Yeah, and, and to be fair to him, he's probably fed up of saying the same things as well. It's um, he's struggling with that same thing that that any manager is um, that's in mid-table, which is consistency. You know, if if you're at the bottom of the table, you're consistent in that you probably lose consistently. If you're near the top, you probably win fairly consistently. Everybody else in between is is just still trying to get the balance right, and that's certainly been Telford's problem this year. Um, either they've been um, too open and, and able to score goals, but too open at back and, and, and able to, you know, uh, 
they let goals in too easily or they when they've tightened up then they've not scored so many at the other end either so yeah it's that balance between defense and attack that you know every manager is trying to get right and you know Gavin Cowan's just not been able to to get the right blend to get the right mix this year okay yeah well I mean we'll probably I don't know whether we'll, we can just skirt over Geisler, Emmington and Southport Kinnaman. So I'm going to ask you about, obviously, I'm going to mention about Hereford and, and Kettering and Gloucester. Yeah, um, sure. But I don't know whether we need to go too much into depth in no, the Geisler, no, Emmington and Southport I've Kinnaman. I've only got about three bullet points for each with just the, the scorers on, so that's literally all I've got. Cool. All right, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll just do that, but we'll come to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, down at the bottom, Kettering met Gloucester and... With Kettering's farm at the minute, even though they are down near the bottom, they expect him to beat Gloucester, but a battling point for Gloucester. They remain level on points with Kettering, and that'll have been a bit of a frustrating day for Paul Cox, won't it? Yes, I would have thought so. I'd imagine it would have been um, a game that he'd have been targeting to um, further extend their advantage over over Gloucester at the foot of the table. But yeah, a 1-1 draw. If you were late getting into this game, if you didn't get in until after 10 minutes had gone, well, sorry, you missed all the scoring. Um, Trey Mitford scored for the Poppies after five minutes. Bernard Mensah equalised for Gloucester on nine minutes. And then that was it. Um, I won't say nothing else happened from that point, but in terms of um, actually having to trouble the scorers, um, yeah, it was all done in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, sorry, Gloucester are a point behind Kettering in 20th place, but they are seven points clear of Blythe and they have got four games in hand on them as well. Hereford, uh, really good week for them. They've not had, as I say, not had a great season this year, but uh, that 4-1 win at York and then he followed it up by going up to Yorkshire and get, again and winning by two goals to one for Farsley and uh, where have these two results come from Dickie? <laughs> well you would wonder wouldn't you I think um, I mentioned Linnell John Lewis before um, whose nickname is Shop you know and he's obviously set out his uh, his stall at Hereford eh? he got two goals in midweek Josh Gowling's the, the interim manager at Hereford with, with Steve Burr as his assistant and and with results like this you make makes you wonder whether he might actually fancy the job full time were it to be offered to him certainly a second win in a week Tomo and Evans giving them a lead inside five minutes Kelsey Mooney doubling the lead in the second half and yeah Will Hayhurst free kick for, for Celtic couldn't stop the Bulls taking all the points yeah and you think now with Hereford being on 38 points that that is well that they're, they're probably safe aren't they yes I think they probably are with with the um uh, when you know how far behind Bradford Park Avenue and Blythe are and potentially, uh, you know, if, if Gloucester extend their advantage over them with some of their games in hand, it's not looking good for either of those two sides. But, yeah, you, you would say Hereford are, are looking fairly safe now. And the final two games were pretty mid-table battles, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Geisley had a 3-0 win over Leamington. Um, Andre Jones put Geisley ahead in the first half. Kane Felix extended the advantage and then Jamie Spencer penalty, uh, goal from the penalty spot in injury time to make it 3-0. I think um, Geisley have had one of their players, Reese McNally, called up to the... He's on standby for the England Sea squad as well for uh, the game against Wales in uh, a couple of weeks' time, which uh, um, you'll know full well why I'm mentioning that one because we as a podcast are all heading up to Carnarvon to, to take in that game. Um, and then oh, yes, the other... out a bag now, Dicky. <laughs> Have we not mentioned that before? We haven't mentioned. No, it's fine. No, it's good. No, we 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 will be uh, we will be there at the end of the month at, at the end of March to uh, see that game. And yeah, we're all looking forward to it. 
Yeah, we are. And um, there's a couple of National League North players involved. I think Cameron Mason, the, the Kurs National goalkeeper, was called up this week. Um, and obviously with our links with, with Mick Payne, who's the, the England Sea goalkeeping coach, we're, I'm sure he'll be able to tell us all about Cam Mason. And then, uh, yeah, the other result from yesterday, Southport won, Kidderminster 2. There's a Kidderminster player in the England squad in Sam Austin. He wasn't on the score sheet yesterday, but his teammates Keith Lowe and Ashley Hemmings were cancelling out David Morgan's opening goal for Southport. And yeah, that's uh, another good win for Kidderminster Harriers. Yeah, away from home as well. We're going to look at the National League South now. How are you? How are you really? Modern life's busy, but it's important to take care of yourself. Making small changes to your lifestyle now could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. See how you score on our How Are You quiz and get free tips and support from how to eat a little healthier to getting more active. Just search one U. And in the National League South, well, there's only one place to start, and that'll be with your team, Bath City. And it's been a bit of a... They were looking comfortable in the playoffs the other week, weren't they? But it's been a bit of an up-and-down um, few weeks for them, hasn't it? It was a surprising defeat at Braintree last week. But uh, would you say it was a good draw against high-flying Weymouth? Yeah, I think so. We had a few key players missing. Um, First-choice goalkeeper, Ryan Clark, uh suffered a dead leg a couple of weeks ago, played through it at Braintree and couldn't. So we had a 17-year-old backup in goal who, who kept his first clean sheet. So that, that was good. On his home debut, played really well. Harvey Wells Richards. Um, one of our defenders, Alex Hartridge, uh, was unable to play more than a half because of his loan conditions. So he only played the closing stages. Um, and Frankie Artis, who's been a key midfielder for us also, uh, was sort of struggling with injury so he only made the bench so with a few key players missing we could have snatched it as well but overall it was a fair result and I think both teams would be pretty happy with it. That's That was a bizarre so you had a you have a player who can only play a certain amount of time because of his loan conditions what's all that about? Yeah it's an unusual one he's it hasn't I think it's happened once before where he played he, he basically he's on loan from Exeter um uh, quite a key part of their under-23 squad, and they've got a game tomorrow, um, so on Monday. So he's there. I think he captains them, so they obviously want him to play in, in that game. And, uh, yeah, because of that, they didn't want him injured or anything like that. So he ended up playing around the final 12 minutes after after Joe Reigns was sadly carried off with a very, very serious injury. Wow, I mean, what's the um, what's the diagnosis on that then? Um, I understand from his, he put a few posts on social media, he's fractured his ankle and broken his leg. So it was a, um, it was an innocuous one really, as you seen sort of more serious ones seem to be. There was a foul on the edge of the box and the Weymouth player, I think Jake McCarthy, tumbled into him, sort of completely unintentional and put all his weight on his leg. And I unfortunately managed to see the footage of it and it was pretty horrifying and there was a long hold up and he was, carried off I mean he's actually only just come back from uh, he's had a few ankle issues just a, a twisted ankle I think but this is a lot more serious he ended up in hospital with that diagnosis so he's unfortunately going to be out for a while because he's been one of our most consistent players over the last two seasons Wow and uh, also you've got a big decision um, coming up this week as a club as well there's a, a stadium redevelopment uh, decision isn't there from the local council this week tell us a bit more about that yeah, it's on Wednesday where the, the um, around lunchtime where we will know whether the redevelopment of not just the stadium but for Twerton as well will go through. Um, the 
council planning officers recommended that the plan be rejected, which obviously was disappointing. But I mean, the the plan in itself has gained a lot of uh, positive views from residents and supporters alike, and hopefully the council will see fit. It's just going to be a huge. It's what Twerton needs, not just what the football club needs. I mean, it it badly needs a, a facelift for the club and for the community. So hopefully by by lunchtime we'll know that it's gone through and we can start planning for a brighter future with a new look Twerton Park. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, one of those classic old grounds, isn't it? But I suppose it's either a case of you get a brand new ground or you just do up what you've got at the minute and give it a bit of TLC. Yeah, precisely. I mean, it's mainly the main stand, which will be given the renovation with extra buildings and so on and uh, the pitch uh, transformed into a 3G surface and yeah, it is a classic old grind and uh, I think not just Bow City fans, a lot of non-league fans will miss the way it looks at the moment, but it's not not cheap to maintain and hopefully it, it does go ahead and we can play there for, well, we've been playing there since 1932, so a lot longer will be very pleasant. Yeah, Bath in fifth place on 60 points, level on points with Slough. And Weymouth, I did call them high-flying Weymouth, but you are technically in joint third with them as well, so I did you a bit of a, a disservice there. But the top Wheelstone keep uh, keep ploughing on. I mean, what what are your thoughts on Wheelstone? Are you as surprised as everyone else that they're still up there and, and well clear at the minute? Five points clear with a game in hand, and they won again on Saturday, a really good win at home to, to Dulwich Hamlet. Yeah, obviously they came from behind as well on, on Saturday, I understand, after they... I think they'd lost their previous game, but I mean, they scored goals for fun. They played Haven't and ourselves in consecutive weeks, scored 11 combined against us. And I mean, just from the start of the season, they've just been pretty much unstoppable. And Dean Brennan's built a really decent squad. I know they beat us 7-0, which was a very bad afternoon for us. But sometimes you hold your hands up. The opposition played exceptionally well and from what I saw from that game, I, uh, I haven't really seen anybody play as well. Actually, probably Weymouth are one of the best teams I've seen this season. The, the two occasions we played them both ended up in draws, but Wildstone have just been so consistent. They've been near unstoppable at home. I think it's only Haven't and Chelmsford sort have of beaten them there. They've won every other home game. So with form like that, then they're rightly at the top of the league. And although a couple of teams sort of uh, nearing in, like some haven't have uh, picked up again recently, but from the game I saw, I, th- I think it's Willstones to lose. And they haven't got a bad run in either. They played most of the top seven twice, so yeah, I, I expect them to go on and win it. But hopefully, we'll run them close at least. Yeah, two goals in a minute in that game on Saturday from Efete and Watt gave them all three points. As you say, just behind them, I haven't and Waterlooville. It looks as though they were maybe going to uh, have a little wobble and drop out of the playoffs, but they've picked up in the last few weeks and uh, a strong 2-0 win against uh, an informed Hampton Richmond Borough with goals from Weds Fogden and and a second goal from Jonah Ayungren. Good win that for Hampton because Hampton have been in form, haven't they? Yeah, it is. Uh, Hampton... Uh, They've only done the damage away this season. I think they're still unbeaten away in the league, but Hampton side were very tricky to play against. They held us to a nil-nil just before Christmas. But yeah, haven't they're a very strong side. They they know how to grind out these games, and um, we've still got to play them. We've actually got a very tricky running at home. We've still got to play them and Slough with Welling, who have 
bar yesterday have been on a good run. So, yeah, I, I fully expect having the game in hand as well to, to be one of the top three this season, as many people were expecting in the challenge. And Paul does, Doswell's done a really good job there. Yes, Slough in fourth, well, joint third, as we mentioned, with Bath and Weymouth. But a surprising home defeat for Slough against Ian Herring's Hungerford Town, who had a great day on and off the pitch. He was doing his vlogs and everything and was in a really chipper mood throughout. And his mood was even brighter at the end of the game with a 2-0 win now. Surprise defeat for Slough, as we said. And John Underwood, he was full of praise for Hungerford. He said that it was a Obviously, it's been a difficult week for Hungerford with budget cuts and, and things like that. But uh, And John Underwood praised the way Hungerford went about the business. And, and that was probably the result of the day, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, without doubt, the step two result of the day. I mean, I think they did the double over Slouch. They beat them at right at the start of the season. So in among some very difficult afternoons and evenings, Hungerford this season, that's two results they can rightly be pride on. We go there next week as well. So hopefully they've used up their uh, one good performance for that that afternoon, but yeah, I read in the paper earlier about the budget cuts and players haven't been paid, and I mean, they've been expected to struggle for years, and it's their fourth season at this level, which for a cover of Hungerford side is a very good achievement, and, but you never know, only two teams going down this year, there's still a good chance that they, they could pull away, particularly with results like that, it's going to give them great confidence, and they've got a very good manager behind them as well. Yeah, and another very good manager doing his business is Steve King and Dartford uh, got another good win on Saturday. They beat St Albans and remain in the bottom two, but Dartford are, are firmly in those playoff places now. And they've leapfrogged Dorking again now. Uh, Liam Nash scored the equaliser after they'd fallen behind at St Albans. He called it a dogfight for Dartford and uh, Darren McQueen's penalty gave them the win. Yeah, Darren McQueen Penn, I think his nickname. He's <laughs> in the league this yeah. season. They've had 14 or 15 or so. They missed a few early on, but he's been pretty uh, clinical from the spot. And yeah, Steve King knows all about the playoffs. I think he's managed to lead the team through them as yet, but the position that Dartford were in when he took over, they were sort of marooned in mid-table. They didn't do too well last year, and they've obviously brought in a, um, a great experience of National League side. He did so well at Welling last year, and it hasn't passed at Whitehawk as well, so... They're going to be one. It's usually the team going into the playoffs, the ones which go in there on a good run of form, are the ones they carry on that momentum and it carries them up. I think Dorking have lost their last four, but there's been. Mm. I think the top seven have been pretty cemented for the last couple of months already. But there's easily a chance that anybody below them can sneak in, and then it's anybody's game really. Yeah, you mentioned Dark in there. Like you say, four defeats on the spin. They lost again on Saturday, this time at Hemel Hempstead. James Dobson with the goal. And it's just unravelling a bit for Dark. And they've been strong throughout. They had that good FA Trophy run. But since he got beaten uh, by Fylde, they've only won one game. Well, since yeah, since they've been beaten by Fylde, they've only won one game. That was a tuna win over Chelmsford. And as I say, they've lost the last four. Yeah, they, I think they only won win this year or something like that in 2020. Something's... I, Remember they lost to Eastbourne on the New Year's Day, and manager Mark White was really critical after that. And it, it doesn't feel like they've recovered. Obviously, they the destruction of that decent FA Trophy run, but there's plenty of experience in that team. They're decent teams. A very good setup. Actually, I went there for the first time a couple of months ago. We played at a nil-nil draw. They got a good fan base behind them. Very good media people as well. And I think uh, the remarkable rise they've had was it 11 promotions since. They were formed 20-odd years ago. I think 
what they're doing this season is still sort of nothing short of remarkable. And if they do miss out on the playoffs, I'm sure they'll definitely be up there again next season. They've, they've certainly got the foundations to go further. Yeah, say Hampton are just outside that playoff place. I think for Darkin is they are four points clear, although Hampton do have two games in hand on them. Maidstone also have two games in hand, but they're five points adrift, and it's been a bit of a, a bits and pieces season for Maidstone this season. This season we've we've been critical of them on the pod, but they won the Kent Derby against Welling on Saturday, and a, a big relief for Hacken Hiratton and John still there. Yeah, they, they lost their previous four in a row. A big defeat at Weymouth last week where they conceded three penalties. And we, uh, we went there, we won 2-0 the, the other week. And there was a few criticisms of the tail going around, but they got a superb fan base there. Excellent grind. And I think uh, after last season, this is a chance for them to rebuild, really, at the moment. And they'll um, be able to sort of still be up there and go again next season after they've had a couple of yeah, you struggle in, in National League Premier, they're sort of finding their feet again. I'm just looking at the table now, and a few weeks ago we were mentioning Chippenham as relegation candidates, but them and Oxford City have bounced up the table. They're in 12th and 13, and they're only four points off Maidstone, and they're both probably safe now. Chippenham, another good win at Oxford City, and uh, are you surprised at how well Chippenham have done, of course, one of your rivals, uh, both geographically as well and also... Uh, in terms of maybe pushing for that playoff place? Yeah, they've um since they got Mike Cook in as manager around January, Mark Collier done a, a superb job there and uh, took him to the end of the road for him. We beat them twice over Christmas and uh, I thought they were very cool actually. It's hard to be the worst Chippenham side I've seen for, for some time and they've really turned around. Mike Cook did one at Gloucester last year, pulled them away from the bottom and He's doing the same with Chippenham. I think Scott Twine's been scoring a few recently, good loan signing. I think they grind out a few results. And it, the problem they've had this season, they haven't really had an out-and-out goal scorer, whereas Twine, I think, has now got six or seven, so he'll be leading the way for them. And I think it's, uh, going for the playoffs is going to be a bit too much of an ask for them. But, I mean, the, the trouble they were in the other week, the season nine, mid-table, because it's very tight at the bottom as well, and they'll be just relieved to pull away and they can have a relaxing few weeks you'd imagine yeah there'll be a few teams who won't have a relaxing few weeks uh, it's really tight down at the bottom only three points separate Billy Ricky in 15th down to St Albans in 21st and Billy Ricky had their first home game in what seems like a while and uh, they got a late winner uh, against uh, Braintree in the end and uh, one of the loan signings they brought in this week Connor Shields on loan from Aldershot Jamie O'Hara was purring about him but uh, and uh, yeah so a vital win there for Billy Ricky and they'll feel like that the one uh, sorry the one win away from from being safe yeah it's, it's hard judging all those teams at the bottom with so many of them with games in hand it's, um, Tom Bridge have only played two home games this year Billy Ricky have managed to get a few more recently but yeah, I think with the games in hand, they'll be OK. They've had a, a lot of reshuffles this season. Uh, new manager, uh, obviously Jamie Hara coming in fairly early on. and A lot of the players who started the season are no longer there. But they seem to all be pulling together really well. And as a club, the, the stature is in place for them to do a little bit better. So whether, obviously, the, the owner going, whether the budget's been changed or anything like that, I'm not really sure. But... Yeah, I, I think they're starting to pull away from trouble. And with the, the games in hand they've got, I, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, it was only the fifth home game of 2020. And as I say, it was a real late winner then. Gave them a boost and it plunges Braintree back towards the uh, 
the bottom again. Dulwich are down there, as I say, they they lost two one at Wheelstone, and they've sunk like a stone. And do you think they're in, in danger now? Yeah, they had a good, they had a dreadful run after August, so between September and November, December time, where I think they only won one game. They were distracted by the cup run. Then they kind of turned it around. I remember they they beat Braintree six 0 at the sort of turn of the year, but the last. Uh, few six or seven games they barely picked up a positive result and they're in danger of getting sucked in which I mean we beat them 3-2 the other week and they I thought they were a decent side actually I'm quite surprised they're as low as they are but something about them that they can't seem to keep consistent at the moment either which is always going to lead them into trouble but they just need to hit the form they did around the turn of the year and they got a very experienced manager there to try and turn it around and good players like Danny Mills uh, get the goals to get them out of trouble but as you mentioned before it's going to be very very tense in these final few weeks Yeah in 17th and 18th at Tunbridge and Eastbourne they were supposed to play each other on Saturday but with Tunbridge's pitches issues that game was called off so it was another game for them to catch up on and uh the other team down there as well are Concord now maybe in a slight false position because of uh their trophy exploits they beat Royston in midweek to reach the semi-finals of the FA Trophy, where they'll play Hales Owen, and uh, they'll fancy the chance of the reaching Wembley now, won't they? Yeah, I've um, I actually I spoke to Hales Owen's manager for them on the paper. This was a few weeks ago, before I think before they played Maidenhead, and I was almost like, oh, you must be enjoying this. It's great, so fun. You've got nothing to lose. It didn't put me down or anything, but he sort of said, well, we've got everything to lose or something like that. We're still going for this, and you never know what can happen. Lo and behold. By the time they play Concord in the semi-finals, that'll be 15 matches in the competition, which is staggering the run they've been on. But yeah. you know, Concord, Concord have negotiated some tough ties early on. They beat Slade, Maidstone, and ourselves, and then uh, Leamington the same level as well. So yeah, they'll fancy the chance of having a two-division gap between them and Hal's uh, Owen. But I mean, Hal's Owen have managed to beat three teams in National League Premier so I think all the pressure is going to be on Concord both teams never reached the FA Trophy final before so it's going to be an intriguing one I, I think obviously with that trophy game uh, the quarter final with Royston Concord have rested a few players recently the likes of Joel Newell I think have been carrying a minor knock and I think if they look like they're going to be in any danger they'll bring them back and I'm sure they'll they'll turn it around is that a kind of, as a, as a Bath fan then, is it kind of a, almost like um, a source of regret and, regret and what might have been? Because as you said, Concord knocked you out in the previous round. You would have then got Royce and then got Hales Owen. A little bit. We were, funny, we were talking about it yesterday, actually. You sort of said what might have been, but it wasn't like we were humiliated or anything like that. Concord, same division as us. Ironically, you beat them twice in the league, just couldn't do it in the trophy. We, we drew up there shortly after... Uh, which only equalised shortly after they'd taken the lead later on. But in the replay, uh, they've got some excellent players. Joel Newell's one of the uh, pick of the opposition players I've seen this season. Actually, he's got the winner. Our plays very good, ball control, very excellent technical player. And I think they've, they've got the bodies in there to do it. And although it is, a, obviously, we know it's not one of the biggest clubs. We were just over 200 when we played there in horrendous conditions the other week. But regret. Perhaps at least we managed to get to the second round, which from our recent records is a quite an achievement. So it could have been a little bit better, but we'll go again in November, again, I suppose. 
Yeah, and Concord drew 1-1 in an Essex derby with Chelsea City on Saturday. And and Darren Smith from the Claren Arby podcast, who's with us some weeks, he actually caught up with the Concord manager after the game, Dan Scopes, and here's what he had to say. So Dan, a 1-1 draw here at Chelsea. What are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, obviously I thought we were really good for probably about 35 minutes of the first half. I thought we played really well, created some good chances. Didn't quite got the goal, obviously. It was a good bit of play. Maybe didn't quite get the second goal. Obviously then just give the ball away and had a bit of a car crash for about four or five minutes. <laughs> conceded a goal and um, when you go 1-0 up and down to 10 minutes, about staying strong and trying to get through the half at 1-0. And I think that was a pivotal moment in the game uh, when you've got experienced players like Chelmsford have. I uh, thought they were brave to keep into up front, which I think is important. Uh, and I think they did their jobs and we probably couldn't quite get the ball down and play credit to my boys because a lot of them boys have played 120 minutes on Tuesday and not an excuse but that's you know we haven't got a massive squad I couldn't rest tried to change a few around but I haven't got loads so credit to them for going but I felt it was difficult we maybe lacked that little bit of energy in the second half to put them under pressure and make some chances you think it's mainly what it was really just the legs or, or the momentum yeah. of the game change couldn't quite kick it on again to another yeah. level yeah I think so I think so I think it was the the, the 10 minutes bell just before half time where we give you a goal and I think we'd cry in the crowd I think we were playing some good football uh, probably get on top and deserve you a goal uh, you see a bad pass couple of misclearances couple of fouls invites a bit of pressure and, and they score and then all of a sudden the atmosphere changed and the crowd get a bit noisy and the momentum goes the other way and I always knew it was going to be difficult second half to actually have an impact and a Change, try to make some subs to change it but it was difficult I think the boys are struggling a little bit with fatigue and uh, we're just trying to got manage them in the right way Massive win on Tuesday against Royston obviously one of many good performances and big wins for you you must be so proud of the team's performance this season Yeah I, f- I think so um, I, won't, I won't claim success or claim progress until the end because I think you know we've got to look at our league position try and finish as high as we possibly can and main aim is to stay up that's the target at the start we've got to get to get above that 40 point mark and another point today so we're moving in the right direction uh, the boys have been excellent we've, you know, we've had to compete in every single game this year we, haven't, we don't get no easy games so uh, look at our cup competitions who we've had to play and the run uh, every game's been competitive and every game we've had to compete in and I can't give the boys enough credit but like I say I have to hold back on the on saying whether we've been successful or we've done well until the end of the season because I think that's when you're judged uh, not week in week out on results obviously you don't want to get ahead of yourself but mm. semi-final obviously whoever gets to the semi-final is a good side obviously get this far but obviously you've avoided the two National League sides you must be quite happy to get the, the slightly higher ranked side and obviously the second leg at home as well it must be the, yeah. the better the draw yeah I think it's over honest I think it's a good it's a good draw for both clubs probably it's probably the draw they wanted and probably the draw that we would take and um, doesn't undermine it I think both teams have done really well to get to that level but you know for a chance to play at Wembley and you'd want to play the team uh, they'd probably want to play each other etc but we know how Zowin would already had them watch today uh, they're a good side you don't get as you said you don't get to this stage in the competition and beat the teams that they've beat without being good so we're, we're under no illusions of the task it's a big challenge for us and, but you know we've had some big challenges all year and it's just another couple and I always say to the boys you, know, you want to get to March, April and being competitive games of football and that's what we've got and some of them are to try and keep our status in the league which is important and some are in a mass national cup competition so you know at the moment we'll take that but we've got to come for them, try and come for them stronger and uh, make a bit of history if we can.
It's an overview a few injuries and a few personnel changes and, as you say, fatigue. But has a big challenge been keeping the players focused on these games with so many big ones coming up? Yeah, I just said to them in there, we've got to try and find a way. And it, it's difficult, of course it is, because it's a big game and it's a big competition. But, you know, also the boys want to play in that game, so they need to keep their performance levels up. So I've got to pick teams for that game and, and pick players. Uh, I've got people chomping at the bit that want to play. So you've got to keep your levels up and we've got to use that. I've got to use that as a bit of an incentive for them. They've got to look at that and you know you can't sit back and protect yourself and said to him half time in this league if you're not at it and you're not giving it everything you've got especially being Concord Rangers chances are you get beat and we've got to keep focused with it because we need as I said we need to stay in the league and try and get the points to stay up as quickly as possible I know you said obviously you can't judge your season uh, at this stage but obviously you come in in the summer back as first team manager huge turnaround of players a lot of young players come in how pleased are you with obviously how the season's gone and yeah, how you yeah. and the players yeah I feel like, you know I think if someone has said to me that you're going to be at this stage now I'd like to be higher up in the league and I feel we can we should be higher in the league I said it to someone else the other day I feel our performances deserve us to be higher up the table uh, but we haven't got the points to do that so you know it's until it's you get the points and move up there then you can't say that so I'm, I'm proud of the boys I, I was proud of them after the first game Oxford away and I'm, I'm just as proud now and we knew it was a challenge and you know people don't people have to remember my, my management team uh, fairly apart from Lee are probably new to the level I've never managed in this league before I've coached last year it was my first year I've, I've been a manager before but at lower level so it's new to me as well so I'm learning uh, the boys are learning uh, and we're all learning together but you know like I, say, I, I feel like we've moved forward and, and things are going in the right direction but it, you know I'll be judged at the end of end of April or hopefully the end of May and that was Dan Scopes there and uh, Concord Rangers I say will be hoping to reach Wembley and all the teams left in the FA Trophy quarterfinals it'll be there in the semi in the FA Trophy semi-final where it'll be their first ever trip to Wembley in that competition if, if they do make it there Mark thanks for joining us no problem well, Dickie, thanks for joining us. You're very welcome, Luke. Good to speak to you. Excellent. Well, nice one. Thanks for joining us, Rob. Yeah, pleasure as always. Good to be back. Yeah, he's back refreshed and, and ready to go. Uh, that is it. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast this week. Give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time and subscribe to us as well on iTunes and Spotify. Until then, happy football watching and we'll see you all very soon. <laughs>